Hey there, I'm Adam Demetrician, the lead pastor at Pathways Church in Appleton, Wisconsin. And this is our podcast. I hope this message inspires you, feeds your faith, and ultimately leads you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Good morning, church. My name is DeRay. I'm on staff here as the technical director. And today (laughs) we begin a new series called Be Strong. And do me a favor and encourage someone next to you today. Tell them, be strong. No, no, no. Tell them like their life depended on it. Tell them again. Tell them again. Be strong. Yes, be strong. See, church, I'm convinced that the majority of us, if not all of us, know where the believer's strength should come from. It should come from the Lord. But this series isn't just about where your strength should come from. It's about the opposition that gives you reason to be strong. Because let's be honest, if you weren't going through something, there would be no need for you to be strong. If you weren't faced with opposition, there would be no need for you to tap into God's ability and allow his strength to flow through you if you weren't faced with something. More specifically, our our topic of study in this series is the spiritual opposition that we are all faced with. And a word that, uh, or rather a phrase that embodies it very well, our topic of study in this series is spiritual warfare. And see, some of y'all heard that and was like, let's go, I'm ready. I got my helmet, I got my sword, I got my shield. And some of you not so much. Like, what's really going on here? Spiritual war? Like, who enlisted me into this war? I'm a lover, not a fighter. What's really going on here, DeRay? Well, in a moment, we're going to look at a few passages that speak to this. But the Bible is clear that we are all in a spiritual war. Whether you are saved or not, whether you are a Christian or not, we are all in a spiritual war. And it is a war. It's not a game. So you can't just pick up your ball and decide you're going to go home. I'm not going to play today. No, it's a spiritual war. We are all a part of it. We cannot escape it. Some of us have already experienced it today. Some of us will experience it before the service is over. Some of us will experience it on on the way home, on the way to our jobs. It is happening around us each and every day, and we cannot escape it. And I don't know about you, church, but... If I'm going to be a part of something that's happening around me each and every day that I cannot escape, it would do me some good to understand this thing and to learn how to be effective in it. And that's key. We got to learn how to be effective in it. See, as believers, we have to learn how to read our Bibles. We got to learn how to pray. We got to learn how to serve others. But we also need to learn how to fight. And I wonder if some of the trouble that we're having in our lives today, some of the struggles that we're wrestling with, I wonder if it's not because we don't know how to read, not because we don't know how to pray or not because we don't know how to serve others, but maybe it's because we don't really know how to fight. And that's what we want to do with this series. We want to teach you how to fight. Now, I know the last two minutes was inspiring and compelling, but before you run through a wall, because of how ready you are for this battle. Let's, let's actually look at what the Bible says about uh, this spiritual battle. Let's read from our key passage for this series. We're gonna read from Ephesians chapter six. We're gonna start at verse 10. It says, finally, 
Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. So verse 10 is acknowledging what we already know, that the believer's strength should come from the Lord. But what I want you to see is that Paul told us to be strong. And if he told us to be strong, that means it doesn't happen automatically. God's strength doesn't just automatically flow through you. If it did, then there'd be no need to tell you to be strong. The fact he's telling you to be strong means that it doesn't happen automatically. It means there's something that you have to do. You have to stand firm on God's word. You have to have the right mindset, the right attitude. You have to have the right spiritual posture. You have to stand firm in the Lord and the power of his might. Now let's continue reading verse 11. It says, put on the full armor of God. Now, why would we need armor? Because again, we are in a spiritual war. The pe people on the sidelines don't need armors. Some of y'all going to the game later, or is it, I don't even know if it's a local game or it's a away game. Is it a local game or away game? Away. Some of y'all probably still gonna make it. <laughs> but the people on the stands don't have on uh, football pads, right? It's only the people on the field. So the fact that God provides an armor is evidence that we are supposed to engage and fight in this war. Now, the rest of verse 11 lets us know who and what we're against. It says, that, so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. So this verse is acknowledging that there's an enemy. And this is one of many verses in the Bible. I wanna show you two more. We're gonna read John chapter 10, verse 10. This is Jesus speaking. It says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came so that they would have life and have it more abundantly. So in this verse, Jesus is acknowledging the agenda of the enemy, which is to kill, steal, and destroy. So no matter what, you, what he's doing, it's always got this purpose in mind. Now let's look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It says, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. The first part of that verse says to be of sober spirit, which is to, to be free from any influence that may lead you away from sound judgment which is basically, don't, don't be under the influence of anything ungodly. He says, be of sober spirit. And then the, the, the next part says, be on alert. Guess what that means? To be alert, to be attentive, to pay attention, to be aware. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So there is a fight or rather, there is a war because there is an enemy. He is actively looking for someone to kill, steal, and destroy. He has set himself against God, and he has set himself against us because we are God's chosen creation. God wanted to create a being that would be the objects of his love, that would be, uh, that would be the primary beneficiary of his love, so he created us. We have a special position. And the enemy's got a problem with God, and because of our position, he's got a problem with us. But now the enemy knows he can't beat God. 
He can't defeat God. And that's why he comes after us. And when I say us, I'm not just talking about the people of God. I'm talking about the human race. That's why it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. We are all a part of it. So he sets himself against God and he sets himself against us. Now, this is a spiritual battle. We're, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. Let me read it to you in verse 12. It says, put on the full, oh, here it is, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against the world's forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness. So we don't wrestle against people. That's what it means when it says not against flesh and blood. Our fight is not against people, but again, against the rulers of, of darkness, against the rulers, against the powers, against the world's forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. See, this sounds like the devil has an order and a hierarchy to his operation. This doesn't sound like some rinky-dink operation. And this makes sense because the devil is not omnipresent. He's not able to be at all places at once. So how is it that he's attacking me in my life and at the same time attacking you in your life? That's because he has evil spirits, demonic forces that he uses to do his bidding. And these spirits we cannot see. They're invisible. They're, they operate in a, in a spiritual realm. That's why that, that verse, verse 12 says, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Not heavenly places as in where God dwells, but heavenly places as in spiritual places. And see, you can't not believe that and believe God. Because the Bible is clear that God himself is a spirit. That's John chapter 4, verse 24. And then Galatians 1.15 says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So God is a spirit and he dwells in this spiritual realm. He doesn't have a, a physical address on the earth. Like you can't pick up your phone and say, hey, Google or hey, Siri, route me to God. Siri is not going to talk back. Your phone's not going to talk back and say routing to God 15 minutes. Because God does not have a physical address. He dwells in this spiritual world. And from that world, he, he uses angels to do his bidding, but the devil uses demonic forces. Now, if you're wondering where these evil spirits came from, I don't have the time to unpack that today. But I do want to give you a few passages if you do want to do some reading yourself says Ezekiel 28, 13 through 19, Isaiah 14, 12 through 16, 2 Peter 2, 4, Luke 10, 17 through 18, and Matthew 25, verse 18. And if you would rather kind of just read an article that's just going to summarize it, you can check out gotquestions.org slash Satan dash fall. So it's a spiritual war, and our opponents are spirits that we cannot see. So how then do we fight? 
Now, to answer that question, we have to first acknowledge what is the primary way that the enemy attacks us? Because if we can figure out what is the primary way he attacks us, then we can begin to understand how to fight. And we're going to find the answer, answer for that in our, in our key passage again. We're going to continue reading in, in chapter 6. We're going to look at verse 16. Now, in the next couple of weeks, Pastor Adam is going to unpack the armor of God. But this particular verse does mention one part of the armor. It says, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So we need to understand what is the enemy's flaming arrows. Now let's let the Bible interpret the Bible. Let's look at another passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to start reading at verse 3. It says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. So we're not fighting with our fists. We're not fighting with guns, missiles, aircrafts, tanks. But on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. I want to take a second to talk about strongholds. So in the natural, a stronghold is like a fortified fortress of defense. Now, spiritually, it's possible for you to have a stronghold in your life, and that means that the devil has such a stronghold on you in a specific area of your life or regarding a specific thing that it is hard for you to break free because it is a stronghold. I can give you an example of that in my, in my own life. I gave my life to the Lord some 16 years ago. And when I did, there was things that just instantly left me. Like God just instantly delivered me from these things. An example of that was uh, going clubbing and partying. I used to love going clubbing and partying. And I was the life of the party. I was on the flyer. Hey, I get in for free. It was like that. But when I gave my life to the Lord, that desire just left me instantly. And it's actually a funny story attached to that because I remember my first week at work after I gave my life to the Lord. I was working at uh, this childcare center that was on the college campus that I attended. I was a teacher there. And I remember that first week I went in and I was telling my coworkers about Jesus. And they were laughing at me because they were like, weren't you inviting us to the club last week? <laughs> and it was true, I was. I was like, hey, I can get you in. But God did something in my life and he, and he, and he, he worked in my heart and all of a sudden a desire left me. I didn't want to be in environments anymore that were ungodly. But let me tell you what did not leave me instantly. It was lust because it was a stronghold in my life. It took a lot for me to overcome lust. But I thank God that his weapons have the power to demolish strongholds. Yeah, that's a good place to praise God right there. That's a good place to praise God right there. Let's, let's continue reading in uh, chapter 10. Let's go to verse 5. It says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So there it is. The flaming arrows of the enemy are his thoughts. 
See, this is a spiritual war, but the battlefield is in your mind. And see, that's one of the reasons why you can't escape the war because none of us can just put our minds down and decide that we're just going to disconnect. Everywhere, our mind, everywhere we go, our mind goes too. And so the enemy's flaming arrows are his thoughts. And this verse is telling us that we need to take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. We need to make it obey Christ. And see, this is, this is crucial. This is very important to you learning how to fight these spiritual battles. You have to be able to discern when the enemy is feeding his thoughts to you and you have to be able to take them captive. Now, there's a law called the law of first mention or the principle of first mention. It's a guideline some people use for studying scripture. It says that the law of first mention is that to understand a particular word or doctrine, we must find the first place in scripture that that word or doctrine is revealed and study that passage. So that's what we're going to do right now. We've been talking about spiritual battles. We're going to look at where in the Bible was it recorded that man was in his first battle? So we're actually going to go back to the Garden of Eden. We're going to read in Genesis. Uh, we're going to read six verses, chapter three, starting at verse one. It says, now the serpent was more cunning than any animal of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden, we may eat but from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, he said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you certainly will not die. For God knows that on the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will become, and you will become like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took some of its fruit and ate and she gave some to her husband with her and he ate. Now there's a lot of revelation we can pull from this passage, but there's just one thing that I wanna show you today. You, you might remember how the story ends. Their eyes were open, they hid themselves, they covered up, they hid themselves from God. God confronts them, they spill the beans, they start blaming each other and all this kind of stuff. God issues consequences to the serpent, to the woman and to man. And this is what we call the fall of man. This is where sin first entered into our world. Now, we understand nowadays that when we sin, we are operating in our sinful nature. We're operating in our flesh. And if we submit ourselves to our sinful nature, it leads us to disobey God. It leads us to sin against him, whether that's in thought, whether that's in deed or action or whether that's in thought, word, or action. But think about this for a second. How did Adam and Eve sin against God and they did not have a sinful nature? Think about that. When God created Adam and Eve, he didn't create them with evil inside of them. They were created in the image and the likeness of God. They were created to be God's representation on the earth. They were created to reflect his character and his essence. So how did they sin against God? 
Now, to answer that question, I want to show you a simple illustration. Here I have a cup. And let's say that this cup represents man or Adam when he was first made. He, he just had God's character and God's essence inside of him. He had no evil. Now, let's say this magnet represents the devil. As you can expect, this magnet has no effect on the cup because the cup doesn't have any magnetic properties. But the moment that I drop into this cup something with magnetic properties, now the magnet can affect the cup. What I just dropped in there was a very small bolt. See, the enemy, before he can get Adam and Eve to sin against God, he had to first sow a seed into Adam and Eve. He had to first put something inside of them that he could work with, that he could connect to. Now, where did this happen? Somewhere in verses one through six. How did it happen is what I really want you to see. It was through the conversation. The enemy sowed a seed of doubt and a seed of pride. And rather than demolishing the argument, rather than taking it captive, Adam and Eve entertained that thought. And as a result of it, they sinned against God and disobeyed him. Now, church, that was the battle in the garden, but it is actually still the battle today. What is the enemy doing now? He's sharing his thoughts, sharing his perspective. Now, the only thing is that when the enemy approaches you, he's not saying, hey, I'm the devil, your adversary, your enemy. By the way, I'm here to kill, steal, and destroy, but forget about that for a second. Do this. He's not approaching you like that. The enemy is actually able to disguise his thoughts and present them to you as though they're yours. Think about that for a second. Let that sit in. This can change your life. If you can really get this, this can change your life. Not every thought that comes to your mind originates from you. We are intellectual beings and we do have the ability to think and to come up with our own unique thoughts. But not every thought that comes to your mind originates from you. But if you're not alert, if you're not of sober spirit, you might miss this and you might begin to entertain the enemy's thoughts and see when you do that, they now become yours. Now you're responsible for them. See, some of you think that you're fighting against yourself. Some of you are like, I don't know why I keep having these thoughts. I don't know why I keep feeling this way, like what's going on? Like I can't get rid of these thoughts. So you're, you're approaching the, the situation like you're wrestling against yourself. But the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So that means not only do we not fight against people, we're not fighting against ourselves. You have to be alert and realize that the enemy may be feeding you that thought. And before that thought can transition from being fed of the enemy 
to becoming yours, you got to take that thing captive. See that? (laughs) Take that thing captive to the obedience of Christ. Replace that lie with the truth of God's word. See, in order to be effective in this spiritual war, you have to be able to discern when the enemy is talking to you. And again, he ain't going to say, hey, I'm the devil and I'm talking to you. He's going to try to disguise his thoughts by presenting them to you as though they are yours. Now, I know it's a process, but the more you become intentional about it, the easier it becomes. Now, I know we've done a lot of reading already, but there's just one more passage I want to show you today. It's it's Galatians chapter 5. We're going to read verses 16 and 17. It says, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh is against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another in order to keep you from doing whatever you want. So what I want to acknowledge right now is that the big picture spiritual war, so the spiritual war from a big picture perspective, that is God and his angels versus the devil and his forces is related and intertwined with the internal war that happens inside of us. So using that illustration as an example, from a big picture perspective, the cup represents mankind. The devil is a magnet and God is a magnet. And that war is related to the internal war within us. From that vantage point, the cup is your soul, mind, emotion, and will. And your flesh is a magnet and the spirit is a magnet. And what the enemy tries to do is connect with the sin that is in your flesh to lead you in a way that is not in alignment with God's will and his word. But on the other hand, God, through the Holy Spirit, connects with our spirit to lead us in a way that is in alignment with God. And what I want you to see is that in order to be effective in this spiritual war, you have to deny your flesh and walk by the spirit. And the part of you that you feed the most That's the part of you that's going to have the greatest influence. Now, recently we did a series called Best Chapter Ever. And in that series, we did a message that was an in-depth study of Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. I want to recommend to you that you go back and listen to that. Now, to find that message, you can go to our website, pathwayschurch.us slash messages. Or you can also find it on YouTube by typing in best chapter ever, walk by the Spirit. Now, with the remaining time that I have, I want to share with you three strategies that the enemy uses against us. And then I'm going to follow that with three application points. Now, the first strategy we've already talked about, and that is that the enemy will disguise his thoughts and present them to you as though they are yours. And remember, the battle is in the mind. We have to be alert, we have to be able to discern when the enemy is speaking to us. 
And before that thought can transition to becoming yours, take it captive. Replace it with the truth of God's word. Now, the second uh, strategy of the enemy that I want to bring to your attention is that the enemy will use other people to get to you. And this may come in the form of ungodly relationships. Maybe there's a relationship in your life that should not be in your life. Maybe the enemy is using someone to, to pull you down, to, to uh, lead you in a way that is not in alignment with God, to, to cause you to, sh- to stumble. And in, and in those cases, the solution is simple. You just have to sever that relationship. Now, the enemy is also uh, able to not just use relationships that you shouldn't have, but he will also use relationships that you should have. Now, the best way I can further explain this is to give you an example from my, my own life. There was a season where it just felt like my wife and I was constantly getting into fights, constantly getting into arguments, constantly blowing up at each other. I mean, it got to the point where I was so convinced, church, that my wife is the only pers- person on planet Earth that can make me angry. The only person. I mean, you can say whatever you want to say to me. You can do whatever you want to do to me. I'm prepared to turn the other cheek. I'm prepared to be humble. I'm prepared to walk by the Spirit. But as soon as my wife says something slick out the mouth, I'm, I'm blown up. I'm upset. And we're both upset. And now we're both in the flesh. So that what's, what's happening, the enemy is working through my flesh to, to come against her and working through her flesh to come against me. And now we're both in the flesh and we're going at it. But let me tell you how we overcame that. It was through love. Not just our love for each other, but more importantly, our love for God. We each have a personal relationship with God. Our deepest desire is to please him and to be the people that he's called us to be. So we were able to go back to God and get it right and then come back and get it right with each other. Now, I don't know who that was for today, but somebody needs to take that home and work it. Now, the last strategy that I want to share with you that the enemy may use is that he will represent things that you have struggled with in the past. So what do I mean by that? A lot of times we we grow in our faith and we progress and we overcome things. And what the enemy will do is he'll, he'll leave us alone for a while with that. He'll be like, okay, I see you winning some battles. Okay, I'll leave you alone. And then in another season, he will circle back and represent that thing that you overcame in the past. And if you're not alert, you might fall back into that trap. And another way that he might do this is when he circles back, he might actually present that thing a totally different way. It may not look the way that it looked like in the past. And I can give you an example from my own life. I've told you that I struggled with lust. That was a stronghold and I had to overcome that. And when I did, I was no longer doing A, B, and C. Anytime the enemy brought to, my, brought to me A, B, and C, I'm shutting it down. But see, what happened was he went away for a little bit. He didn't test me in that way with A, B, and C anymore. He circled back 
and now it was D, E, and F. And I wasn't alert. I wasn't attentive, so I fell back into that trap. It was lust all over again. It just looked a little different. But I thank God that he opened my eyes and he showed me the errors of my ways and gave me the strength to overcome lust again and to overcome it even in a greater way. That's a good place to clap. I, some of y'all don't know when you, if you want to praise God. That's a good place to praise God. That's a good place to praise God right there. Now, in closing, I want to share with you three application points. All right, so three opportunities for you. The first one is we, we have to identify what's in, in our flesh or what's in your flesh that the enemy is constantly against, using against you. The, the, really, at, at the foundation, the first part of, of, of really winning the war is being aware. And, and you can't solve a problem that you don't know exists. You can't fight a battle that you're not aware of. So we need to, take, we need to reflect and we need to, to, to take inventory in our lives and see if, if, if we can identify things that the enemy is constantly using against us. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's lying. It could be, it could be anything. We, but we need to, the first part of it is to identify it. Now, the second application point I have for you is to identify what environments or situations you're constantly being tempted in. Sometimes when you're being tempted, it's attached to a specific environment or a specific situation. Like every time I go here, this happens. Like maybe every time you go to the gym, you find yourself looking places you ain't supposed to be looking. I told you in my example with my wife, I was not getting angry anywhere else in my life. At work, nowhere else in my life was, was anger showing up like that. And yeah, there was things happening in my life that could give me reason to be upset, but it was only when I was at home with my wife that I was all of a sudden in the flesh getting extremely angry. So see, I had to identify that environment. I had to identify the situation that the enemy was constantly using to, to, to get me. So when I began to see the pattern, it was the first step in actually being able to do something about it. Which is the last application point I have for you today, which in, involves you basically doing something. You gotta do something about it. Identify how you will be fighting these battles going forward. So once you become alert, once you become aware and you start to see patterns and you start to see what the enemy is constantly trying to connect with in your sinful nature and what environments and what situations are bringing those things forward, now you got to come up with a plan on how you're going to fight this battle. Because the enemy is strategizing against you. He's coming up with a plan on how to kill, steal, and destroy you.
We are all part of this spiritual war. No one is exempt from it. And there's an opportunity for all of us to really consider how, how are we doing with this spiritual battle? How are we taking a stance against the schemes of the enemy? Because maybe the, the devil can't rob you of your eternal life with God, but he's going to keep fighting you. He's going to try to stop you from being who God has called you to be. He's going to try to stop you from having the impact on the earth that God has called you to have. He's going to try to stop you from walking in your purpose. And see, some of us, we're doing, we're going, we're doing good things. We're reading our Bible. We're, we're praying. Maybe, maybe we're involved and we're serving. So we're taking steps forward. But maybe you're not addressing the way you should be the opposition that is coming against you. So maybe you would be able to take bigger strides in your journey with the Lord if not only you read your Bible, prayed, served others, but you did a better job of standing against the schemes of the devil. In a moment, I'm going to pray for you. But before I do, I want to give those that may not have made the decision to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior an opportunity to do so because before God's strength and power can flow through you, for you to even be able to do something about this spiritual war, you have to first accept him in your heart. You have to first accept the finished work of the cross. He died for our sins. He died to reconcile us back to God. Sin severed us. When Adam sinned in the garden and brought sin into our world, it severed us. It separated us from God. And God sent his son, his only begotten, to die for our sins, to die for our sins as a way back to God. And so if you're in here today and you have not made that decision, I want to pray for you. And we want to pray with you. And maybe you're watching online and you have that decision, that decision to make as well. But if you're in here today, I want to know who I'm praying for. So at this time, you can lift your hands. I want to know who I'm praying for. I want to know who we're going to be celebrating in the next few minutes. Is anybody giving their life to the Lord today? I see your hand. If the Lord was to take you from this earth today, are you 100% sure where your eternal destination would be? Is there anybody else? I see your hand. Now, maybe you're in here today and you have not lost your faith in Jesus, but you know you've kind of got off track. Your, 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 your life is not quite where it needs to be, and you need to rededicate your life to him. Is that anybody in here today or anybody watching online at this time? Could you lift your hand so we can know who we're praying for? I see your hands. Thank you. I see your hand. I see your hand. 
Thank you. I see your hand. I see your hand. Father, I thank you for everyone that is watching today online or in the room. I even pray for those that will watch at a later date, Lord God. I thank you for their hearts right now. I believe that there's people in here and watching that their hearts are open to you, Father. And I pray that you would work in them mightily, Father God. We thank you for everything that you have done and everything that you you intend to do, Father God. I come against every attack of the enemy. This battle is real. This battle is real. And I come against every attack of the enemy right now. Devil, I tell you to loose your grip on God's people. I come against you in the mighty name of Jesus. If God is for us, who can be against us? No weapon formed against us shall prosper. God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. So if there's someone in here, Lord, whatever they're dealing with, if it's fear, if it's anxiety, depression, I come against it right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Let's pray together. Just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for the work of the cross. I receive it now. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your mercy. I receive your grace. I repent of my sins. And from this day forward, I am in pursuit of you. And I decree no attack of the enemy will cause my faith to fail. But I will grow to be who you've called me to be. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Can we put our hands together?